0: Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 17. I'm your host, Dustin, and as always, we have with us. It's Apple. You got Josh. And we are bringing you all your comic book news and your reviews for three weeks' worth of Batman comics, as well as we have Bat Books for Beginners and we will be having a discussion as well about something related to the comebook world of Batman. So, let's start out with comic news.
1: And here we go.
0: The uh, first thing we have is on March 26th, Judd Winnick did an interview with Humbug Resources. There's not really a whole lot to talk about in this interview. A lot of the stuff that was mentioned was stuff about Jason Todd and things that he mentioned in other interviews that he's done in the past. Nothing really brand new. I guess the, the one thing that was said here by him that really didn't pertain to his past work on Batman was the question, is the Batman you're writing in Batman the same Batman that will be in Grant Morrison, Frank Quitely's Batman and Robin? And his response was, yep, Batman's Batman. Across all the books and all the titles, Batman will be the same Batman. I can't go out on a limb with that one without checking with DC. And, but this was already kind of mentioned by Dan DiDio in the 20 Questions so, like I said, there's not a whole lot of a point to to discuss this, but it just goes back and reiterating that whoever becomes Batman after for Battle for the Cow will be Batman throughout all of the Batman titles.
1: Well, that's pretty good, as long as they keep it the same, but who is Batman? Yeah,
0: we've discussed that at length yeah. numerous times. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the answer is pretty obvious.
2: <laughs> it's really obvious.
1: <laughs>
0: Alright, so then on March twenty seventh, the second part of the interview was posted. If you want to see the interview, head over to Combook Resources, it's on their site. Going into the next thing on March thirty first, IGN posted up an interview that they did with Bat Book editor Mike Martz. They also got to visit Mike Martz's office and see how the Batbook editors plan out things for the coming issues. Now we'll d- actually this is what our discussion is gonna be about. It's about The Wall, as Mike Marks calls it, which has pictures of all the different characters that appear in the different series that are going on. So we'll actually discuss this more at length during our discussion. We'll discuss who was under what series and so forth and so on. The 1st of April, DC Comics has started their own blog. Now, they call it The Source. Now, what's interesting about this is not really news-related, but we can discuss this a little bit there was an issue that happened within the last two weeks. Tony Daniel has had a, a blog on Blogspot for quite some time. He posts up different sketches of covers that he's working on, different sketches of pages that he's been working on, and just discusses random little things to, to get it out to the fans of Batman and the Batman-related stuff that he works on. Well, there was this big to-do about an image he posted up a couple weeks ago, and it was a picture of... ...that he said was a Batman that he designed for Batman number 684. Now, what was interesting about this was... ...it was only the, the image that he posted up had some comments on the side. Now, if you really don't want to get any spoilers that are pretty much obvious... ...this is the point in time where you should probably fast forward two minutes. Alright, so if you're still listening you want to hear the spoilers... There were some comments posted on the side of the picture that basically said who Batman was that he was drawing and it basically said the name Dick which we know Dick Grayson Robin Nightwing and that's who we've been predicting was going to be Batman from the beginning so because of this that image I guess the or the mystery surrounding it was that not so much that you know it could have been a bad image He specifically said in the post that these were some images that he created for DC to kind of get a new feel for a Bat costume. The reason why it was so mysterious was within an hour and a half of it being posted, it suddenly got yanked off his blog. Now, then it was gone. The only place you could find it was from people who downloaded the image right away, which we at the Batman Universe, of course, we did download it. And it's on the forums, and you can see it. I'm sure if you're listening, you might have already seen it. But... What's interesting is it was posted up and then the next day suddenly Tony Daniels' blog was completely gone. So if this wasn't anything, if this wasn't a big deal at all, the necessity to take down the image and the necessity to eliminate his entire blog kind of makes me wonder, maybe it was a spoiler and once he found out from people at D.C. that they were finding out that it was being posted up all over the place. He got in trouble. It got yanked down. But, Josh, I want to hear your comments because you made a point on the forums about this, and you also emailed me back and forth about this. Let's hear your opinions about this and the fallout from his blog disappearing. Yeah, even
2: though the image makes it pretty clear who it was, even afterwards, he still kind of tried to save face and... I don't have the exact comments in front of me, but it was something along the lines of, oh, well, that was just one sketch of one of the many Batman costumes. That was the one for Dick. And I also had one for Jason and one for Tim and so on and so forth. People are jumping to conclusions saying that Batman's going to be Dick, and we don't know if that's the case. And the cat's out of the bag, and he's trying to push it back in there as far as he could. But come on now, come on.
0: So needless to say... The speculation is DC Comics started their own blog on their own website kind of to contradict what these artists have been doing with posting some of the images on their own blogs. So that way DC can so-called censor what the what's going up and what's not going up. Now, that just builds to the mystery of, well, you know, is there a reason why his blog went down? Did he really choose to take it down, or did he take it down because DC Comics told him to take it down because he made a big mistake? So DC Comics started up their own blog on April 1st, and they're posting various different things. They're posting up, uh, when they posted a preview on a different website, they'll post a link to it. They're posting up some interior art for stuff that's a couple months out. And they're even posting some very random things that that you would find normally in DC Nation column at the back of the comic books. Now on April 3rd, there was an article on their blog, entitled Day in the Life of Batman Group Editor. Now, basically, I'm not going to go into the details of everything, but Mark Martz wrote up a snippet about what he does day-to-day being the group editor in charge on the Bat books. And he basically went through about how he comes to work, he has meetings in the morning to discuss things with Dio and some of the other editors, then he has returned tons of phone calls to the writers and the artists, He has to make sure that he got the right scans for the right weeks, blah, blah, blah. You can find this, go to dccomics.com, and there's a spot on the left-hand side that says blog. Just go there, you can read the entire snippet. I'm not going to go into detail because it wasn't anything, you know, super spoilerish or newsworthy to really talk about. It was just kind of interesting to see what he goes through day-to-day. All right, so that's all the comic news we have. Like I said, there hasn't been a ton of news lately, I'm sure within the next couple weeks we'll have some more news.
1: I want information, and I'll get it any way I please.
0: But that's going to bring us into book news. Okay, so there's really only two things to talk about in book news. The very first one is entitled Batman, Lovers, and Mad Men. Now, this is a collection of Batman Confidential number 6 through 12, and this is a tale that sheds light on who the Joker was before he became the Clown Prince of Crime. And the solicitation also reads, Discover how Batman first crossed paths with the punk who was destined to become his deadliest foe. It's going to be 144 pages and $14.99 U.S. dollars.
1: And that's pretty cheap.
0: Now, the next book is going to be coming out on April 22nd, and this is DC Comics Classics Library, Batman The Annuals. The solicitation reads, Some of the greatest Batman tales ever are collected... In this new hardcover, reprinting the classic Batman annuals, number 1 through 3, from 1961 and 1962. This can't-miss collection reveals the secrets of the Batcave, the Bat-Signal, and more. This is going to be 256 pages. It's going to run you $39.99. Sounds worth it, though. Those annuals from back in the day were awesome. It's kind of interesting that the solicitation says 1 through 3, but 61 through 62 is the year's. You would think annuals once every year?
2: You would think, but you'd be surprised the way that they do some of the annuals now. Annual, and if DC and Marvel has taught me anything, annual sometimes means more than once a year, or it sometimes means every few years. How do you figure that?
1: Okay, and that's going to lead us into Batman Confidential, number 27, Riddle of the Sphinx. And guys, we have said this for months before. Batman Confidential is an awesome book. This is continuing the second part of a three-part arc written by D. Philippus and Weir and drawn by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. What it is is we're continuing the adventure of Batman going through and working with the Riddler on trying to find out who is behind these murders. Of course, it's an awkward pairing, but Riddler then comes into the book, of course, trying to save one of the victims. Batman shows up, of course, beats him up and, you know, because he thinks it's the Riddler, then sees the Finks, then becomes the union between the, the, the relationship between Riddler and Batman working together on this. Of course, Batman is reluctant, but it makes for an interesting story. And through this story, you go ahead and see how the Riddler and Batman, it, it's kind of a funny pairing, but it works out. It's working through and the, the way it's written comes off as very few people can write the Riddler but these two do a very good pairing of them. Through the issue you actually get to find out who King Tut is and so in classic fashion of the Batman of the 1960s show it leaves you in a cliffhanger of how King Tut kills Batman and Riddler or if he does and that's where the issue leaves us off guys so it leaves you wanting more. That's the review for Batman Confidential 27.
3: Your entrance was good, his was better.
2: And that's going to take us into Outsiders, issues 15 and 16. We're going to go into 15 first, which picks up the thread that was starred in the Batman and the Outsiders special. Alfred had assembled a group of superheroes, some of them from the original Outsiders team, to form the new Outsiders. And he has them all in the Batcave, and he says that they're kind of part of Batman's last will and testament, And to be the outsiders, this tour of duty is going to be a lot different than the previous ones in that they actually have to literally go off the grid. For months at a time, their only interaction is going to be with each other and with him, that they're not to talk to their loved ones or their family. And he understands if some of them don't want to make this decision because it's going to be a hard one and that they've proven themselves over the years. But that's the cards that's on the table. This group of outsiders don't get along too well. Some of them are fighting, and some of them are a bit mistrusting of the new Al Man, who they've never met before, and they demand him to unmask. He does, and he's Roy Raymond Jr., who's a TV detective and TV show host. And they're like, "What? You know, is this some kind of joke? We're gonna have him with us?" But he shoots back at him, says, "Cause he's a good detective." So. Everyone kinda of disperses to make their decision. Is this is they're gonna be their last time with the outside world for a while? Black Lightning says goodbye to his daughter, who was Thunder in the previous outsider series in the hospital. Halo doesn't really have much to say goodbye to, so she sticks around in the back cave with Alfred and kinda of befriends him a little bit and asks if she could stay around, you know, and help him out for the few days and Alfred says that it's gonna be refreshing to have her around. We have Geoforce and Katana. They don't really have anyone to say goodbye to aside from each other, so they just kind of reminisce, and they wind up sharing a little bit of a kiss as well. Metamorpho just says goodbye to the other constructs of themselves, so then reabsorbs him. Well, Raymond decides to throw a public tantrum in the taping of his TV show, throws a coffee cup at the wall, and says, You know what? Forget it. My contract's up in a month anyway. I quit. The Creeper, well... Just goes on being creepy, talking to himself and his Jack Ryder form in his apartment before they all meet back up at the Batcave, where Alfred shows them a rocket, which is where they're going to be launched in for their next mission. As they board, we cut to Germany, where there's some sort of an earthquake that's buried a family and their beloved dog. And it's to be continued, and we're going to find out the cause of that earthquake in the next issue. Before then, we have another Origins and Omen story. This one is pretty simple. It just spotlights different outsider characters like Geoforce, Katana, Creeper, Metamorpho, Black Lightning, Halo, and Owlman. And then it gives you the little preview of what's to come in the future. And we have Deathstroke, Alfred fistfighting somebody who I want to say is Raymond a weird trippy shot of metamorpho climbing all over a woman's face, something going on with Halo, a bloody creeper, Alman getting shot, and Geoforce and Black Lightning fighting. So that's what's to come in the future.
3: I assume that as you're taking on the underworld, this symbol is a persona to protect those you care about from reprisals.
2: In the meantime, we have the immediate future with the next issue, Outsiders number 16, where the outsiders are in the Bat Rocket orbiting Earth. Metamorpho kinda gives a little bit of exposition, speculating on why Batman chose each of them and what they represent. Owlman is supposed to be the detective of the group. Geoforce is the leader since he beat Deathstroke. Black Lightning's the heart of the group. Katana, she has Bat's, you know, sense of humor, he jokes, which, you know, she's like Batman, grim and serious. Owlman's the detective. Creeper's the fear factor. And Halo's the Robin, the one that's supposed to line them up, and Metamorpho says that he is Batman's utility belt, because he has all the stuff. Now, while all this is going on, Geoforce detects on the controls the tremors going on in Germany that we saw last issue. So he decides that he doesn't want them all to come down and investigate together, because they're better divided. So he goes down with Katana, Black Lightning, Owlman, and Geoforce, and Halo now we cut to philadelphia and there is a guy getting a mysterious phone call that it's time that it's also time for him to drop off the grid and that his death is going to be faked and we see around the world similar people in high power we got you know what looks like a high ranking religious official in the vatican city executives congress people they're all getting these calls now GeoForce goes ahead and scares some of the cave workers in Germany away, and so that way they can investigate the underground tremors. And then there's a little debate there saying, well, you know, we want to gain their trust. And he says, well, no, that's for the JLA. We're the outsiders. This is not what we do. They decide to send Halo up to talk to some of the people who witnessed the attack to see what's going on, since Halo, you know, kind of the light of the group, she'll gain their trust more so. So Halo visits a little girl in the hospital, and she drew a picture of some sort of a robot creature who, set, who killed her family. And Halo promises that she will find the monster. We then cut back to the people who were getting those phone calls from around the world. Apparently, they're somewhat of immortals. They're talking about how each of them are 115, 110 or older, and they don't look a day over 65 or 30, some of them. And whatever cabal or group that they're working with has given them some sort of secret. But they said that now they're going to spend the rest of their lives in these machines. And then they climb into some robotic machines, similar to what the little girl drew. And they start going underground. And the people controlling them from behind the scenes are talking, debating on whether they're using their immortality for the right thing or not. While the outsiders are in the tunnel trying to plan their next move. When the robotic creatures takes in. The Outsiders attack, but one of them drives Katana and burrows through the ground with Geoforce and Black Lightning right behind in pursuit, screaming Katana's name. And that's to be continued, guys.
3: You look very fashionable. Apart from the man.
0: Okay, so that's going to bring us into Superman Batman number 56. This is the last part of the story arc that has been going on where Superman has no powers and Batman has Superman's powers. So the story first starts off with Batman pretty much sitting right next to the sun trying to absorb as much energy as possible. He starts to feel a little... he, He starts to realize that there's something wrong because he shouldn't have needed Dick to tell him that he needed the sunlight. He should have figured it out himself. So he starts flying back towards the Earth, and he gets punched in the face and starts flying towards the moon and ends up making a giant crater in the moon and realizes, well... Clark is right now a normal man, so that only leaves one possibility. So it turns out Wonder Woman punched Batman in the face, and the entire, well, most of the Justice League has showed up. We've got Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, Jon Stewart, Hawkgirl, Red Tornado, Firestorm, Supergirl. So then we cut to Clark Kent in the modified body armor suit that Alfred gave him at the end of the last issue, and he's at the Oblivion Bar. And for some reason, everybody at the Oblivion Bar is fighting against each other. There's a lot of little cameos by various people. Etrigan the Demon's here. Ragman's here. There's a lot of different characters that show up. Deadman. So then all of a sudden, Zatanna casts a spell on everyone making everybody freeze, tells them, you know, you should be making friends with people here, not trying to fight them, so buy the person you're fighting a drink and relax. So then Zatanna and Clark, they see somebody sitting at a booth in the corner, and they assume it's Silver Banshee, so they walk towards her. And the lady, who it is, is old, wrinkled, look like she's about 200 and something years old, and she's got the brooch that they've been looking for around her neck. So Silver Banshee tries to pull a fast one on Zatanna, telling her, here, please take it off me, I can't lift it. She goes, oh, it's a it's a curse, don't worry. So she casts a spell, releasing Silver Banshee from the body. The lady's body goes back to the age she was in the very first issue that we saw like four months ago, which was the old lady from the party. They got the brooch, and that's what happened. So then we cut back to the Justice League, pretty much trying to take out Batman. So Batman systematically tries to figure out the best way to eliminate, one by one, each person. Comes to the conclusion that he needs to get rid of Wonder Woman first, sends her flying towards the Earth's atmosphere, knowing that she'll come back, but it'll give him enough time to take out everybody else. So, he slowly shoots his heat vision into Red Tornado's CPU, saying that he's fixable, takes off Hawkgirl's oxygen mask, leaving... John Stewart and Firestorm to create oxygen for her and then the, all that's left is Supergirl and Hal Jordan and Supergirl's like listen you know we know we're not going to beat you we know you are going to win all of a sudden Batman starts hearing voices that say listen to her son it's not your fault Bruce and he starts thinking that people are playing mind tricks on him so he's, he freaks out he starts heading towards Earth goes down to Crime Alley where he uses the supersonic hearing to find out exactly where the voices are coming from. Sees an illusion of his parents saying they're so proud of him. Then all of a sudden Clark Kent shows up dressed in his usual reporter attire. Batman gets pissed. Clark Kent's holding the brooch says, don't worry, we found the amulet. We can get, We can switch the powers back. And then Batman starts freaking out by saying, listen, you don't want the powers you can't have them, I'm, I'm keeping them because you will never be able to do what I can do, which is save everyone. Clark gets pretty much beat, beat up a little bit by Batman and Batman grabs the amulet and smashes it in his hands. At that moment, Zatanna pops around the corner, jumps and casts a spell, causing the powers to switch back. Then we go into Superman being Superman and Batman being Batman. Then we cut to a scene where both Batman and Superman are on the moon and they're cleaning the debris from the old Justice League base up, and they're going back and forth about, well, do you think you really wanted them, and Batman saying, you know, I, I think the magic, it works, I, I think the magic worked its way, I should have been able to control the, the my emotions, and I shouldn't have been able to control the, the powers, I just feel like that was one part of me that I should have been able to do, and Superman just keeps making excuses, like he always does, about, oh, don't worry, it wasn't your fault, and then Batman says, listen, I lost my mind, I heard people, I heard Dick, Selina, even Bane, so then Superman's like, just listen, you weren't in, weren't in control, so but Batman decides, you know what, he, he's a Boy Scout, I'm glad I didn't have that power, I'm just going to give up, and they start heading back, and then the last little lines is basically Batman saying, I, he kind of misses the power, and... Superman says he will always feel like he normally he has a normal life. And that is Superman Batman number 56. you
3: sure you didn't hurt your head in that fight, Batman?
2: And now we have the first issue of what is sure to be one of the more remembered and controversial Batman series of our time, Batman Battle for the Cow. We start off with Robin and Squire, the British version of Robin from Knight and Squire. They're handling some of the goings-ons in Gotham right now, and Robin gives you a little brief rundown in his inner monologue that since Batman disappeared and everything happened, there's been a state of emergency, and the network that Batgirl and Nightwing established over in Outsiders, they're all there trying to help out when they can. Now, some of the goons that Robin and Squire were tracking have already been beat up and tied up, and there's a note attached to them that says, I am Batman. Robin takes this to Nightwing and says, we have a problem. Meanwhile, a bunch of the criminals that were getting transferred between Arkham and Blackgate after the recent events of Batman R.I.P. get stopped by Black Mask or somebody in a Black Mask costume. It's too early to tell. And he informs all the criminals that they are now working for him. Jonathan Crane's like, aren't you supposed to be dead? And he surprisingly doesn't give a very detailed answer and deflects that. And Ivy's like, well, why should we follow you? And somebody goes ahead to attack blast Mask, and he tells them exactly why. Black Mask says a code, M32 activates, and the guy dies and deteriorates. And he informs them that a chemical implant was given in their sedatives during their recent stay at Blackgate. It's radioactivated, and when he triggers it, they die. So now they have to follow him. And Black Mask blows up. Building in the background says Batman's dead, light it up, boys. Commissioner Gordon isn't having too good of a time with all the Gotham streets being out of control. The press is barraging him. They want him to resign and have the police have been infiltrated by criminals again, and the Riddler's there looking all smug at him, saying, Is Batman really dead? The signal's been lit and it has R.I.P. written into it as well. Somebody defaced it as a little bit of a joke. Over in the Batcave, Tim and Dick are arguing over the need for if there needs to be a Batman or not, and Dick doesn't think that somebody should be Batman if Bruce is dead, and Tim's saying, well, Gotham needs it and needs the symbol, and I have news for you. If we don't do it, somebody else is is already going to do it, and he talks about the guy who wrote the I Am Batman notes and the Batarangs, and somebody has their equipment, somebody's doing this, and if one of us doesn't do it, this is what's going to happen. The conversation really goes nowhere, though, and we actually see the mysterious new Batman looking over the city, attacking some people in the shadows. Tim's doing some detective work, and he's going to track this new person down, but he's not going to do it as Robin. He goes to the display cases, and he takes one of the old suits, the bluish version of Batman's suit with the yellow oval, and goes out to track the new Batman. Meanwhile, Alfred has a different version of the talk with Dick that Tim had, Basically, you know, and Dick's like, come on, we've been over this before. Alfred also shows that he's got some chops, too, as Dick is training, and Alfred kind of, you know, cuts off his attack right then and there. But they're interrupted by Oracle, who's telling them about the Arkham-Blackgate breakouts. Nightwing goes to see Commissioner Gordon, and they look at the defaced bat signal. Now, meanwhile... Tim is out in the, like I said, the blue Batman suit with the yellow oval. Catwoman sees him, and obviously she's a little confused. And it looks like Tim has tracked down the new Batman's headquarters. But before we can see how that goes, we cut to Damian Wayne, who's joyriding in the Batmobile with some girl that he picked up to impress her. Oracle's like, yeah, you need to stop clowning around over the radio. You're needed. And she ejects the girl from the Batmobile. And... Not a moment too soon, because then Killer Croc slams into the Batmobile. It crashes out of control. Oracle is a little uncomfortable with this as she hears it over the radio, so she sends Huntress and Lady Blackhawk, the birds of prey, and Nightwing to go see what's going on. Damien's crashed in the swamp, and Poison Ivy and Killer Croc are about to finish him off when Nightwing swings by on the glider and saves him. But no sooner that are they out of trouble when somebody shoots them down with the glider... And a bunch of criminals have them at gunpoint, but then somebody comes in, dressed up as Batman, two guns, says Black Mask didn't get the memo, I am Batman, and shoots them all up. And that's to be continued.
1: I'm Batman. And that's going to go ahead and take us into Asriel, Death, Dark Knight, issue one. And now everybody just said, every Batman fan right there and there is saying, Apple, stop. Is this Asriel, Jean-Paul? And no, it's not. So you can rest assured and go ahead and pick up the book and read it. (laughs) And this verse issue, it starts off very violent. And it shows Asriel chopping off a guy's head and him saying, I serve God's justice. That gets you right into the book right away. And what it does is it actually brings back, of course, the order of Saint Dumas. And, of course, they got back the the of sorrow who we knew that Razal Ghul's clan, of course, already had had it. The League of Assassins had the suit. What it is is that they're starting to uh, do a new recruit. Now, what they do in the story is they make you invest inside the character. And the new Asriel, who is known as Michael Lane, you you tend to feel through the story of what this man's been through. And so it it gives you in-depth feel to the character. And so as you go through the character, you see him and it makes you invest. But the League of Assassins comes back, and they 're looking to take back the suit of sorrows and Of course, it goes into a a, a cliffhanger right then where one of them stabs him through his chest, and that 's where the book leads off. The book in a whole gets you to invest inside the character and who this new Azrael is. but in the beginning, like I said, it has a very violent scene, but it shows that the the order of Saint Dumas Orders that Azrael to be killed, and it happens very fast. Where it leads you now into the new recruit of Michael Lane, which I'm wondering who was that Azrael in that suit. So, who knows, guys? It may be continuing, but this is going to be the, the first issue of three. So, hopefully, maybe we can find out in the next issue who that first Azrael was and what's going to happen to the new Azrael, Michael Lane.
3: One hint the worst is yet to come.
0: That's going to bring us into our last issue, which coincidentally is also the last issue of Simon Dark, Simon Dark number 18. Now, as everyone knows, I'm not a huge fan of this series, so I'm kind of, uh, I'm not going to say I'm glad, but I'm definitely not disappointed that this series is ending. So we first start off with where we left off in the last one, where we thought Simon and Gus were both dead, and story takes place where you see both of them standing there, and Gus is like, "Oh, I thought I was dead," and Simon says, "You were, but I gave a piece of myself to give you life." So then you kind of see Gus staring at the white light that everyone talks about when you die, and he starts coming back to reality. So as he comes back, Simon appears along with Tom, and they're all all three of them are standing there, and like I'm. What did you lose when you came back? And then suddenly Simon's like, I really can't figure it out. I, I can suddenly concentrate a lot better and hold the face like I've been trying to do. But I lost two hearts and minds. And I came and even describe the ache that I have. So Gus leaves and Tom, all three of them, head off to the supermarket. Where Gus kind of leaves them both and says, I'm very proud of both of you and how you guys become. It's told in the story that the other character that was claiming to be Tom and Simon's brother is is officially dead. So Tom goes to the church, meets up with his detective partner, which to this point, I still cannot remember her name. They don't really mention her name all that often, but it shows you how much I'm really invested in the story. Then we go on to, they go back and forth about how you know, we're not going to have to worry about people seeing heads cut off, they say they're going to go to breakfast. We skip to Simon meeting up with Rachel at her school, and Simon shows her that he can now hold a face and basically says, I just want you to, I want you to understand, I understand that you're going through some stuff that you have to explore and I really can't be a part of, so I want you to know that I have feelings for you, the same feelings that you have, and... I've loved you since the moment we met. And then Rachel responds, I love you too. And he goes, enjoy school, and and he takes off. So then Tom and his partner are standing at a murder scene, and they're relieved that it's a normal murder and not somebody's head chopped off, which is nice. Then we go to another scene where Rachel's sitting in her school, in her classroom, and she says to her teacher that she wants to go to the nurse. She goes to the nurse and somehow decides I'm going to take off out of school, goes out to the schoolyard, tries to find Simon, can't find him, takes off running, goes to the supermarket that they were at before, runs into Tom and his partner and says, where's Simon? He goes, I haven't seen him since we left Gus this morning. So she decides or Simon must be at the church, runs towards the church. They get to the church and they see Simon's mask on the floor. And I'm going to read the last little bit of text that's there. It says, My name is Simon. I used to live in the dark. I know who I am now. I know where I came from. I don't know where I'll go next, but I am no longer afraid. And I help when I can. That's what Simon does. And it shows like a ghostly image of Simon, so we're assuming Simon is no longer around. That is the end of that issue of Simon Dark and the end of the series, which, like I said, I cannot be disappointed that
1: this series is over. (laughs) Yeah which is then going to take us into the reviews guys batman confidential number 27 was awesome the review that i did was kind of short because i was going to go ahead and go into the review of the quality of the book we're in deep Olympus can write the Riddler and that's something very rare because it's something you know it's something maybe to the days of the early 70s when the Riddler stories were coming out and I, I, I think they did a wonderful job of, of capturing that feel they, they they wrote a line in here where Batman was giving the Riddler back to the to the cops to be arrested and he goes why are you gonna put me back you know I'll just escape in an hour and as through that scene Garcia Lopez is drawing the Riddler taking off his cuffs as he's giving them back to the cops <laughs> That's so funny and it's cool. Garcia Lopez's art is amazing. It it it's also it gives you that that Neil Adams, Jim aparo feel. Also the story the story is just good and 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 it's a lot of fun. I know a lot of people like to go back. Well, is it like this story arc? Is it like this story arc where you know the Joker is always being compared to the Killing Joke or or another another story of the Joker. This story is so cool, it's so awesome, it's so fun to read. I'm enjoying every every bit of it. Where for Philip is writing, I give it a, f- a four batterings out of five. It, I, I told you, it, 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 I'm, in, I'm immersed in the world of creating this character. It was funny how King Tut came to life, but in this book, you see how he, how he goes off and becomes his own identity with, Batman and Riddler becoming, you know, an odd couple working together. Garcia Lopez, his art is getting better and better. I'm going to go ahead and give it a 3.5 on his art. I want to give it a 4, but there were some pages that it, it didn't look like full detail, such as a Jim Lee style. But 3.5 rings, I mean, that's not bad, guys. And this book, 2.99, 32 pages is awesome. It's just fun.
2: And that's going to take us into Outsiders 15 and 16. And as I've said before in various places, the problem with the Outsiders is they changed direction so many times in the last few years. But Peter Tomasi, I don't know if this was his idea or editorials, but having Alfred lead the Outsiders, it's pretty cool. And this whole thing with them being off the grid and they're not supposed to talk to anyone. I think that every single writer tries to come up with an individual reason of what makes the Outsiders a different team and why are they called the Outsiders. It's not really needed. But it's a cool touch, and I initially thought that Alfred was just going to put the team together in the special, and then they would go from there, but he's taken a pretty active role in the team, and it's nice, you know, to give him a hobby. The inclusion of uh, Raymond as Alman, it's really interesting because DCU fans will know he's the grandson of the detective who used to have backups and old issues of Batman and stuff, and... This version of the character first appeared in Chuck Dixon's Robin Run, and he was written as an inept, you know, nobody. A lot different now. But good stuff, both issues. I really liked it, and I'm interested to see where the story's going. And I didn't really care too much about each of these characters before coming in, in, which is one reason why I wasn't going to follow the book, but they're written so well. Peter Tomasi's awesome, so I'm going to be generous and give issues 15 and 16 both five batterings.
0: Alright, so Superman Batman number 56, this is the last issue of that story arc that's been taking place. I can say Superman Batman is one of those titles where you can be really on board or really off board, and Superman Batman to me makes it feel like it's a modern day world's finest comic. That's basically what this storyline was. They get their powers mixed up, Batman has Superman's powers, Superman has Batman's powers, And that's something you would see in the world's finest comics back in the day. You don't see that kind of stuff nowadays, especially stuff that deals so much on the continuity that's constantly going on within the DC Universe. So Superman Batman, along with Batman Confidential, both because they don't follow continuity all that much, it's nice to have individual stories that just involve the characters that we like, but not necessarily have to have them have such a ginormous effect on everything that's going on for this story the art was was pretty detailed I'm not going to say it was Jim Lee but it definitely wasn't Kelly Jones so I'd say the art was I'd say a four and the story itself even I'll I'll do the whole story arc as a whole I would say as a three so I give this issue a three out of five batarangs and that's
2: going to take us into Batman Battle for the Cow. There's a lot going on here, and that's one of the only complaints about the issue is, you know, we have all the little side stories and one-shots dealing with the individual characters that could go more in-depth, but this tries to cram a bunch of the stuff in, and the whole thing with the press and the Riddler asking, where is Batman? The question that's never been answered. We all know what happened to Batman in Final Crisis and everything, but... When did the heroes learn about this? And how does the public know that Batman's missing? Is it just because they saw the helicopter explosion in R.I.P.? Another big controversy with this issue, which has been talked about on message board, is Oracle ejects Damian Wayne's little girlfriend from the Batmobile. And it's not explicitly said in the story, but if you see her shoe, and then you see the shoe that Killer Croc kind of spits out of his bloody mouth later on in the issue... You basically see that after Oracle ejected Damian Wayne's floozy, she somehow wound up in the jaws of Killer Croc. And the controversy is, oh, well, Oracle wound up killing the girl, but is she responsible or not? And somebody did a webcomic where it's just like, oh, no, Killer Croc just took her shoe because he likes shoes. So, yeah. <laughs> and everybody's trying to figure out, you know, who the new gun-toting... bat Is it not obvious that this is Jason Todd? What kind of – these are supposed to be a bunch of the world – somebody who has access to our gear and who has a – and who's very, very violent and who recently escaped from jail, by the way, is going around killing people in a Batman costume. Who could this be?
1: Hmm. But you know
2: what? You know what? Like I said, the only thing, problem with this book is that a lot of stuff was crammed in. And yeah, the whole thing with Oracle accidentally killing the floozy or maybe Killer Croc just took her shoes rubbing the wrong. It was still a good book. And I like seeing all the Batman family together. So I'm going to give it four out of five Batarangs.
1: Okay, and that's going to take us to uh, Asriel's Death Dark Knight, issue one. Written by Fabian Nicieza and uh, Frazier Irving. Now, Fraser Irving, you either like him or you don't like him. I think his art is... It's a different step and it's very nice it's it's very comforting his colors are very comforting and the artwork that he does i, I love this issue i like how fabian kind of drew us into this new character michael lane as a new asriel and he's he spent time telling the story of who this character is i mean it's so often that you introduce a guy and you're off and running and you really don't even know his the guy's background just a a glimpse one page but through this issue, we got to learn that. Through this issue, we also got to learn about the the order of Saint Dumas coming back. Also, it even involves the League of Assassins. I mean, that's so cool. I mean, the story. I mean, this story is just like, oh man, what's going to go on in issue two and three? The story, it was good. I, I like Fabian. We know Fabian. He's done wonderful work in the past, and the Robin issues and stuff. So we expect the best from this. He delivered uh, on the story. I mean, it's very impressive. So I was impressed. I, I liked that. I didn't know what to expect. I was like, oh, dang, Gene Paul is coming back. I thought we got rid of him, you know? So, But this was a, a nice, refreshing look. And Irving, I love his artwork. You either love it or you hate it. I love his artwork. I, I think he does a wonderful job. The point about the, the one Asriel that's in the beginning and they kill him all, but you don't know what they really do with him, really. you're You're suspecting that he's killed off. In the in this issue, the the first Azriel has a BatSim signal on his chest, and Michael Lane's character has a cross on his chest. So I'm I'm wondering I'm, re- I'm really wondering who is that first Azriel in the beginning of the book. Famian totally bought me into the book. I like his writing. I give it four out of five batterings for his writing. Artwork, like I said, you either love or you hate it. I love it. I'm giving it four batterings out of five
0: take us to the last issue of Simon Dark. Now, as I've been saying for I don't know, I've been reviewing this comic since we started the comic cast because not a, there's not a whole lot of fan base for it and it is part of Gotham City so we do include it. But I've kind of just been counting the days or I should say counting the months until the end of this series which this is the last issue. Number 18 doesn't do anything different than any other issue of Simon Dark. Kind of just Ties everything up that they had in all of the other filler issues that they had for the last at least five issues. I think that this series should have ended at number 13. It persisted for another five issues for whatever reason. You've got some great characters like The Question and Manhunter. Because they get their own series canceled, but then you have stuff like this, Simon Dark, that really is not that great to begin with. So... I'm going to give the, this issue itself a one-and-a-half Batarangs out of five, and I'm going to give the entire series of Simon Dark a whole two-out-of-five Batarangs. The end. <laughs> so, that's going to bring us into our discussion. Now, like we said, we're going to talk about Mike Mart's The Wall, as he puts it, which is basically he has a list of the different books that are out right now, And then he has a list of the different characters that appear in the different books. So I'm going to run through some of these real quick. We'll talk about each series individually. Battle for the Cowl, he has Nightwing, Robin, Tim Drake, Jason Todd, which is amusing because the picture of Jason Todd is the gun-toting Batman. Damien, Black Mask, Firefly, and Jane Doe.
2: All those people on the internet who are in denial about the gun-toting Batman being Jason Todd. There it is, and... These are the same people who were still in denial after the DC solicitation said, Jason Todd is the gun-toting Batman. Now we have this, and there's still actually people saying, well, it's a conspiracy. I'm convinced that Jason Todd will unmask himself in the next issue, and people still will say, oh, well, it's a trick. I <laughs> Spelled I out for think us I, right there.
1: <laughs> I think it's Jason Todd. Um, the, are you the sure, inter-
2: Apple? Are you <laughs> sure?
1: Uh, I don't want to be, you know, flamed in messes boards, oh my god, but <laughs> but it's Jason Todd.
0: <laughs> Alright, so moving to Battle for the Cow one-shots, the first one we have is, the first set is Man Bat, Francine Langstrom, and Dr. Phosphorus, as we all know was in Battle for the Cow Man Bat. The next set is Commissioner Gordon and Mr. Freeze, which we know was in Commissioner Gordon one-shot. Jeremiah Arkham is the next set, which we be under the assumption that it's the arkham asylum one shot the next set is kind of interesting i'm kind of in a throw-up of whether or not it's actually supposed to be all six of these pictures are for the underground one shot that's coming out soon but it's catwoman the riddler poison ivy harley quinn two-face and penguin and then the last set is the network which is cassandra came Batgirl, huntress the club of heroes The Question, Ragman, Hugo Strange, Manhunter, and Misfit. So, the first comment I want to make is, it's kind of interesting that the underground one-shot is going to focus with Catwoman, Poison Ivy, and Harley Quinn, and that those three characters are also going to be featured in Gotham City Sirens, which makes me think, they made a comment about Gotham City Sirens, about how it's going to Not only go off of what Catwoman had at the end of the Batman series in Faces of Evil, but it's going to combine other elements from stories of the past. And I'm assuming they were talking about this series or this issue that we haven't even seen yet, because this is the first issue in a very long time that I know of that Catwoman, Poison Ivy, and Harley Quinn have been in.
1: You know what's very interesting is that in. The Gotham Gazette, how you were saying, Dust, how they paid homage to Norm Brayfogle. Dustin, can you tell our listeners why that makes some significance on that board?
0: Well, it was interesting because in Gotham Gazette, we there was a comment that Josh made in one of the f- past podcasts where we pointed out that in Gotham Gazette, there was a street sign that had the name Brayfogle. What's interesting is it seems like there's a lot of things that are coming back to what Bray Fogle and Alan Grant did with Batman in the early 90s. Man Bat, Battle for the Cow, Man Bat, the one shot, had Dr. Phosphorus in it, which was a character that was created by Alan Grant and Norm Bray Fogle. So it's kind of interesting to see that character pop in in the middle of this, and then you see Gotham Gazette pop in with, you know, a blatant reference to Bray Fogle by naming a street after him. So it's kind of interesting to see some of the stuff that a lot of us grew up on in the 90s come back into the modern day stories
1: right and that's very interesting because it makes you also want to go back and pick up those issues and read them and say hey you know that you know it was a, it's a fond memory also uh, of that time but also maybe some clues as to how they're going to be used in these upcoming storylines
2: i don't know if it's clues per se i think it's just tributes like, yeah, you know, th- this, I, uh, is, this is what their influences are. I think that we might be a little reaching, but you never yeah, know.
0: I, I think it might be tributes, too. It's just kind of interesting to include some of these characters that have not really had a whole lot of focus on them since Norm Brayfogle, Alan Grant time. So. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving on to the next set, they have Gotham Gazette, which we already know. There's no secrets here. Spoiler, Leslie Tompkins, Vicky Vale, Harvey Bullock, and The Vale. I guess we'll move right into the next one. Outsiders, they have Katana, Black Lightning, Alfred, Geoforce, Halo, Creeper, Owlman, Metamorpho, Deathstroke, The Insiders, and, and Pop Rocket, which we haven't seen yet, but obviously we will soon. And the next set is Azrael. We have Azrul, the Lane version, Talial Ghoul, Detective Harper, uh, Razal Ghoul, and Seven. Men of Death, which we also haven't seen in the series yet. Then the next one is the the Oracle mini-series, which has Oracle and Calculator. And most of these, some of the characters that we haven't seen yet, such as the Seven Men of Death, Pop Rocket, these pictures were taken right while they were doing the planning phase for this month's comics. So these are characters that we could be seeing pop up in these comics this month. Because they said that the this board was right before, right while they were planning Bell for the Call Number Two, which we know is coming out this month. All right, so then the only other ones that we have is there's a section that says at large, but then there's a little spot that says dead. The Joker, Scarecrow, Peyton Riley, and somebody called Abuse. And then Batman's kind of halfway under the at-large dead category. And then the incarcerated has Hush on it. Now, what's interesting is at the very bottom of the board, there's a picture of Bane. But you can't tell if he's supposed to be incarcerated or if he's just out there.
2: They don't yeah, have that... an omega Sanction section for Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's
0: the at-large, in the middle yeah. of at-large and dead.
2: omega Sanction, yeah. Yeah, Bane, he's all lonely up there. He's not included.
1: Yeah, I want, that That was something. When we saw this board, I was like, what's Bane doing way down there? And how is he going to tie into the story?
2: You got to feel sorry for Oracle's miniseries because all these other ones, they get like nine people or something. Then Oracle, it's just Oracle and Calculator.
1: Ah, but the story is very good, though.
2: Yeah. Let's just see how it ends. <laughs> Yeah, this board, though, what I like about it is it shows that they at least are trying to keep this organized, which if you're reading the books, it does come off that they are, you know, making sure that things aren't spilling over where they shouldn't be, that things are tying in all rights, like having, you know, the people from Batman Dead cross over into the Asriel series and the Outsiders crossing over in the Man Bat without all the disruptions. It's, it's looking like this is coming from an organized place, and the board kind of reinforces
0: that. It's definitely something interesting. It'd be more interesting to see the board as it will pertain to June because that would give us a little bit more answers of our questions, but obviously that's not the case. All right, so that's going to be the end of our discussion for now. Let's throw it over to Nick with Books for Beginners.
3: Hello and welcome back to BBFB, I'm Nick and today we're looking at Batman and the Mad Monk, the second book in a two book series called Dark Moon Rising. The plot on art is provided by Matt Wagner again, whose backstory I explained in the last segment. So let's jump straight into the sequel and let's hope it's better than the last installment. the book takes us back to the Julie Madison and Bruce relationship with Bruce unable to attend another date as he is busy visiting Gordon Gordon however is under pressure from the current commissioner to stop contacting and working with Batman Gordon ends up in a fight with some of the commissioners loyal men in a fight that brought back memories to me of year one Batman saves Gordon from these corrupt policemen and warns them to leave him alone. Gordon then takes Batman down to the morgue, where he shows him two victims who have had all of their blood in their body drained from their neck. Mischief is afoot. We also return to Norman Madison, who is paranoid about Batman knowing his name, and is locking himself into his study and not speaking to his daughter. Another victim is found by the police, and Batman conducts some detective activity taking a tire track from the scene and deducing that the vehicle must have been a hearse. Batman tracks down the hearse to a warehouse where it is surrounded by a couple of thugs. Batman interrogates these thugs aggressively and learns of the villain, the Monk, who strikes more fear into these criminals than the Batman himself. Julie meets Darla in a bar in Gotham, and she convinces Julie to visit her boyfriend at their castle to help her father. Darla's boyfriend is the monk and drugs Julie. He bites her neck but decides to spare her, attempting to use her to gain her father's bank details, to steal all his money, and fund his evil brotherhood. Bruce later notices the bite marks on Julie's neck and understands what he's up against, creating silver batarangs to confront the monk. Batman follows Julie as she heads off in the middle of the night, under a hypnotic spell. Bruce follows her to the castle and enters, investigating the premises. While prowling the grounds, Batman triggers a booby trap and falls down a staircase into an Indiana Jones-style room, with spikes coming out of the wall as the walls close in. Batman escapes thanks to a carefully placed explosive, and leaves the castle knowing Julie is safe. Julie's father talks to her, giving her his will and telling her he has to do something dangerous. Julie, still in a trance from the monk, barely takes any notice and lets her father continue. Julie brings this will and Norman's bank details to the monk, who decides Julie has served her purpose and is now ready to be a sacrifice. Batman heads off to her rescue and saves her from the Brotherhood's evil scheme. At the same time, within Gotham, Norman confronts Sal Moroney, and tries to shoot him, trying to sever any bond he has with organised crime in a crazy rampage. However, Norman is killed by Moroni's thugs, as they return fire in self-defence. Back at the castle, Batman fights the monk throughout the building, even up to the rooftop. The monk is then struck by lightning and is fried. Batman heads down to save Julie from the castle burning down, bursting through a window with Julie in his arms. Bruce reveals his identity to Julie, who understands why Bruce was always so busy. Julie learns of her father's death, and then leaves Gotham to join the Peace Corps in Africa, claiming she couldn't live with Bruce knowing that Batman is the reason her father died. Bruce realises that many lives will be lost during his mission, and it will last a long time before his job is complete. He glides off into Gotham, ready to fight another day. In review, I feel that this book really showed me that Monster Mem was just a warm-up for Wagner, for this book, because it really started to get interesting with The Monk. It's interesting because even though a book like Batman Gothic, which I reviewed earlier, didn't work for me, this book proved for me that supernatural villains or circumstances like creepy castles and vampires do work with Batman and can really be enjoyable for me, can really draw me into the story. As long as you have a convincing, menacing villain like the monk, then you're in for a great ride. A couple of great lines in this book were that Gordon said that standing over a a dead body with Batman is becoming a habit, and we know that this will definitely continue between the two. And another good line was Bruce saying that he was foolish to think that his mission wouldn't last very long. I really enjoyed seeing some detective work from Bruce, which seems to be rare in Batman books I've read so far. It's nice to see some of those detective touches coming through. There were some mentions to a drug hunt, which I think showed us Batman doesn't just focus on supernatural villains like the monk, but he also deals with realistic matters like finding Salmaroni's drug shipment. There were some really great images, like these silver batarangs. I thought were really cool. Uh, a really heavily wounded Batman, probably perhaps the worst state that we've ever seen him in. Actually, looked very good. And there were loads of nods to, the, to other books, including, as I mentioned earlier, Gordon's fight in year one, uh, The Killing Joke when it was mentioned, The Red Hood, The Man Who Laughs directly follows this book, and right at the end you saw a shot of a billboard with the Graysons foreshadowing Robin's involvement, which we'll see in Dark Victory, and as well as The Long Halloween, because we had a brief little conversation with Harvey Dent about Carmine Falcone and Sal Moroni as well as the fact Falcone appears in this book. There were three major negatives with this book, though. Firstly, I felt that Julie Madison was pretty dim, that she did not suspect anything about the monk and his castle when she first turned up. They may be able to get round that with some sort of hypnotism alibi, but it was never really explained, and it brought me out of the story a bit. If I was taken to a weird castle and, and a guy in red robes turned up, I would certainly be on high alert. Secondly, the monk died far too quickly and simply just struck by lightning. Makes you feel that the writers didn't know how to end it and drew his death out of a hat. Could have been anything, could have just fallen off the roof. Yeah, was very disappointed with um, the monk's demise. And I thought the third act was quite weak in general. And thirdly, uh, the story with Norman Madison... That whole narrative thread didn't grab me at all, and I would prefer if it wasn't there. Art-wise, this is my kind of art. I absolutely loved it. It was fantastic, it was gory at times, it had a, a look of the Batman animated series, and it really made the monk menacing, and the landscapes and characters all look fantastic, with excellent detail, and a realism that really, really worked for me. In conclusion, great story, even though it's a supernatural villain and that's thanks to there being a great villain. Even though this is your typical vampire story, they still manage to make it interesting. Wagner himself has been accused of being a much better artist than writer in the past, with Monster Men, I think he definitely dropped the ball regarding the story, but Mad Monk is a much better improvement, and as I expected. Wagner takes the classical concepts of castles and vampires, but puts a really good modern twist on it. Certainly worth reading. Sadly, you might have to put yourself through Monster Men to appreciate all the plot threads in this book, but it is worth putting yourself through that torture because it pays off with the conclusion with The Mad Monk. I'll give this book four out of five Batarangs. Well done, Mr. Wagner. Good work. Great improvement. I'm looking forward to your next book.
0: Yeah, I know.
3: Well, that's me done for now. Uh, We've had a slight change to our reading list, and we will be jumping straight from this book into Catwoman Year One. I'm afraid that Batman Snow has been cut out. And then we head through our list as usual, that I've placed recently on the forums as the next bunch of books, with loads of interesting ones coming up. So that's me done for now, and now back to Dustin and the guys.
0: So that was Batman and the Mad Monk. In the next episode, as Nick mentioned, we're going to be doing Catwoman Year One. So make sure you pick up that book and get on the reading of that one
3: I am Catwoman. meow
0: so that's going to bring us to our upcoming releases for the next two weeks first one we have is April 15th we have Detective Comics number 853 finally (laughs) Batman Lovers and Mad Men as we talked about earlier Oracle The Cure number 2 of 3 Superman Batman number 58 and then we move to April 22nd which has Azrael Death's Dark Knight number 2 of 3 Batman Battle for the Cowl, Arkham Asylum, Batman the Brave and the Bold, number 4, and also, as we mentioned earlier, DC Comics Classics Library, Batman The Annuals, as well as Outsiders, number 17. So then we go into what we will be covering next time for comics. In the next episode, we will be covering Oracle The Cure, number 1, Batman Battle for the Cowl, Commissioner Gordon, Batman Gotham After Midnight, number 11, Batman the Brave and the Bold, number three. Superman Batman, number 57. Batman Battle for the Cowl, Man Bat. Batman Confidential, number 28. And Batman Battle for the Cowl, number two. So there's a lot of comics, but that will catch us up so that we will be giving you the most updated comics that we possibly can.
1: Tune in tomorrow. Same
0: bat time, same bat channel. So that is about everything that we have for this podcast. As always, you can leave a review on iTunes. Go to iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast. If you're not already, you can leave a review on iTunes. You can join our forums at thebatmanuniverse.net. Become a member, leave comments on the episodes there. You can also send us an email at comicpodcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. So I've been hyping the website up for the last, I don't know, probably two months now, and I can tell you that it will be coming up very, very shortly. So the new version of the website will be coming up very shortly, and you can look forward to that and all the new things that we have on the website. So that's going to be about it for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Apple. You got Josh. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys
1: next time. Take care, guys.
0: So that was Batman and the monster. Uh, that was Batman. So that was Batman and the monster. Uh, why do I keep
1: seeing Monsterman? Would you like for our can you for our listeners? lot <laughs> Wait.
0: See, okay, I, I'm not sure where you're going with this. The web comic
2: where it's just like, oh no, Killer Croc just took her shoe because he likes shoes. So uh, I, I, I even have the girl next to me laughing now. I don't know if it's at that though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
3: nah, Some other, uh, now well, we've you, just, you
2: Congratulations, Savannah! <laughs> you, you, you have a tag once again.